Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, kind of a continuing conversation here all week on our show with lots of different topics, ideas, things that we brought back from our week in Indianapolis at the Combine. You know, We talked to the head coach, the general manager, talked to lots of prospects, all of that. One thing that is definitely worth discussing here is the a story that uh, that um, you've been working on for our website. You talked to both John Dorsey, the new GM of the Cleveland Browns, and John Schneider, the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, about their history with Brian Gutekunst and what they thought of what's going on in Green Bay now with him stepping in for Ted Thompson. What was your biggest takeaway from the comments that they gave you about their former colleague? Yeah, the biggest takeaway I think was John Snyder and in, in you know asking him exactly what his first impression was working with Brian Gutekunst and how he really just blew him away with his knowledge of football. Obviously, came from a football background with his father yeah. uh, and his connections to the University of Minnesota. He played Brian did at the University of Lacrosse was basically serving as an assistant coach by the time he ended his career there due to injury and just said he's an all-around football guy but the interesting thing with both Dorsey and Snyder when you have this these these big branches that Ron Wolf has in the scouting uh, tree of the NFL uh, just the parallels between all these guys and how sometimes they also intersect and really Dorsey and Snyder were the 1A 1B of Brian Gutekunst getting his foot in the door in the NFL. Hmm. Dorsey was obviously, we talked about at the time in which Gutekunst was hired, he was the guy who called up on the Friday night when John when uh, Brian Gutekunst was working at the, the local supper club in, in lacrosse. The wedding reception, wedding I think reception, it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Telling him to be in Green Bay. I think it was 7, 8 in the morning, whatever it was, <laughs> for his internship as a Packers scout. Hung up the phone right away. And then Snyder is actually the one that took Gutekunst after that internship with him down to Kansas City for his first real immersion into the full-time life of an NFL scout. And, and both of the guys just had glowing things to say about him and what his work and his, his work ethic and his approach was on a day-in and day-out basis. And now, obviously, uh, he's a competitor. I mean, there's only 32 of these jobs, and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of competition for them. But at the same time, you could tell there was a great deal of pride as well in being able to really develop Gutekunst into the personnel man that he is today. Yeah, and as I said last week on the show, I, the, the b- biggest impression that uh, Gutekunst made on me in terms of his first big press conference there at the Combine with national media there and then meeting with uh, you know groups of local reporters off to the side – things like that is he just he just looks like he belongs it's like it, it looks like everything you know not to say he was born to do this necessarily but you can definitely see that he's prepared to do this he does not look out of his element whatsoever in the leadership position and i think scouting i'm sure it's just like any other any other line of work you know everybody knows who's good at what they do but even if you're good at what you do, it doesn't necessarily mean you can climb the ladder and right. be in those leadership positions. There oh, are guys who are probably great scouts who are not necessarily going to be able to lead an entire personnel department and lead a football operation. Gutekunst is one of these guys that just strikes me as uh, as um, you know totally prepared and ready for this opportunity. Yeah, I almost look at it. I don't know if you remember these games, Mike. You went to the mall. At least I went to the mall back in the day. <laughs> you'd take the penny or the nickel or the dime. You'd put it in that little funnel yeah. where the quarter just yeah, sort of goes, goes around, around and around and around. Yeah. For Gutekunst, it was 20 years of that, and every step <laughs> kind of took him a little bit closer. In these past few years, 
he got pretty darn close. I mean, he interviewed with the San Francisco 49ers uh, with their GM position. I know there was people that I had talked to last year that thought he was going to get that position. Yeah. And lo and behold, he ends up sticking around and uh, has one more year to kind of, you know, be, a, you know, deputized and, and have that internship underneath Ted Thompson. But now he's in that chair. And I think seeing him at the podium, I mean, that was the first question I asked when he went up there is just how this is different than before. And for him, it really isn't, other than the fact that he is the forward-facing you know, GM now. He's the personnel executive that has to answer these questions as opposed to in the past when he basically just talked to the media after the Packers selected a player in the draft room every April and May. So for him now... I think it just seems like he's ready for this moment. He's ready to be there. He's ready to be accountable for what the decisions that they're going to make. And he also has a pretty good you know, group around him to kind of go off of as well. This is going to be a process. Everything. We saw it with Ted Thompson. We saw it with Ron Wolf, even if there wasn't as many you know, cameras and social media back in the early 90s. These guys have to learn and kind of feel out their way, but considering he still has Ted Thompson there with him, the, the personnel people he has around him, Russ Ball still in the organization as well, yep. there's a lot of resources for Brian Gutekunst to do what he does best and really start to you know make that position his own after Ted Thompson in a 13-year run that is going to be up there and in one of the greatest uh, you know moments in, in Packers history. Yeah, well, and you talked about uh, in the past we'd seen – Gutekunst take the podium on draft weekend at some point to talk about a prospect. It always struck me how just how thoroughly knowledgeable he yeah. was about anybody that the Packers selected in the draft. They could have put him up at the podium to talk about any of them. They just took, you know, certain ones at times. And I think one thing that'll be that'll be an, an interesting change. Um, you know, Ted Thompson would always is always kind of the main press conference on that Thursday night when you make the first round pick. Right. But he's he's always he's not necessarily going to you know you know uh, recite chapter and verse of the guy's scouting report, right? Well, Gutekunst might you know give a little bit more of that. He, I mean, he's got it all. You know, it, you know it's all up in his head. He knows everything about you know any guy that the Packers are going to choose. I think that that press conference after pick number one on that Thursday night of the draft could be pretty interesting. Yeah, he, I think he's going to keep a similar approach. I don't think he's going to be like giving away any trade secrets beforehand. Yeah, but you can just yeah. see when when decisions are made, uh, even in this small two months that he's been in that role, uh, his reflection and, and research and, and obviously knowledge of players is expansive, and I think he's going to be willing to share that. Yeah no doubt about it. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Wes, Getting back to a, a subject that we touched on, um, I guess it'd be a little over a month ago now when Mike McCarthy first introduced the the coaching changes. He talked about going back to page one of the playbook with Joe Philbin and uh, James Campen and then the other new offensive assistants and really kind of building it from scratch. 
I'll have to admit I thought that was maybe a bit of an exaggeration. But then <laughs> no. <laughs> revisiting the issue with Coach McCarthy at the scouting combine in Indianapolis, he wasn't exaggerating at all. He wasn't just, you know, telling some story to, to, to sound good. They literally went back to page one of the playbook, you know, how to huddle up and went over everything to make sure that that uh, you know all of those basics that they're going to be teaching the players, showing the players that everything is in place. And and what struck me in that conversation with Coach McCarthy about it is that he seems to me anyway after a tough couple of months with having to make decisions, let coaches go, hire new guys, and and everything that goes into that. He seems very, you know, revitalized and re-energized in a sense that that his offensive playbook, they are literally going back to page one and rebuilding it. Yeah, and I think there there's two components to this that are so important. The first thing is when you've been in a role for 13 years, um, it, it's only natural to want to you know shift some stuff and make some changes. And I think the Packers have done a good job of that periodically throughout that. I mean, you can never say that McCarthy has not been reassessing where the team stands. He does it every offseason. But you look at this coaching staff. This is the big, biggest structural change the Packers have made with their coaching staff perhaps ever when you consider both the changes on the offensive and defensive right. side of the ball. Yeah. So you're getting in new guys. You're getting in new philosophies. And even a guy like you know Joe Philbin, who's a big part of this process, returning to Green Bay, he was upfront about it right from the get-go. It's been seven years since he's been here. Yeah. I mean, things change. And there's stuff that he's learned. There's philosophies that have evolved for him. And the Packers offense looks a lot different now than it did back in 2011 as well. So meshing all of those personalities together is important but you know during the luncheon that we had with McCarthy uh, that was one of the things I asked him is that did you always know that this was going to be the plan that you wanted you know when you did your analysis that you wanted to actually you know just go back to square one and he said it really was a two-pronged approach it was going back after the season and doing his review and deciding that but then also getting a chance to sit down with Philbin after he'd been rehired as offensive coordinator and come into the realization that this would probably be the best foot forward for this team yeah and another part of it too that that I didn't realize was part of uh, Mike McCarthy's process is that he talked about doing a four-year study on yeah. his offense, that, that he's done that over the years. And with 2017 being his 12th year as the head coach, this was the third then four-year study that he did in the offseason in terms of looking back at, at a larger chunk of things instead of just the previous season. And hey, you look at you know the last four years, 2015 and 2017, Two of the rougher years on offense for different reasons, but two of the rougher years on offense for the Packers. And I think going through that, that's where now he feels, okay, yeah, it is time to go back to, to square one of the playbook and, and go back to the basics. And and it's an interesting dynamic with these offensive coaches because Joe Philbin obviously has the history from McCarthy's uh, you know first five years. So he knows the history of the offense, but then he he wasn't here for some of the evolution of it, as you said, for the last six or seven years. You have someone like James Campen, right. who has been here all the way along and knows all of the, the ins and outs and the whys as to how certain things have changed. Then you also have uh, new pass game coordinator Jim Hostler who has experience with Philbin, having right. worked with him in the past, but now both of them are here together in Green Bay. Hostler's looking at a new offense. 
but Philbin is looking at one that he knew from the beginning, but it's changed a little bit. So there's just so many different perspectives now in that room as far as how they're building the playbook for 2018. I, I find it kind of fascinating how this is all coming together. It certainly is, and I don't think I have a high enough IQ to be able to process all of it. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. just like fireworks I, I going off in my brain right now. But I think ultimately in the most simplistic way you could say it, it's just trying to take all of these dots that have already been connected and just bring the rest of them together. Yeah. Uh, because there is that working relationship. And I said right from the beginning when they announced the new coaches last month, there is a big opportunity here that even though this group hasn't been together per se underneath one team, one venue, one name, a lot of these guys have working relationships. And yeah. Yeah, you know, they the do. biggest thing for me, I think, comes back to Philbin in the fact that, yes, things have changed, but this offense, I think you can look at it statistically, objectively, and agree it was at its best when Joe Philbin was there with Mike McCarthy coordinating this thing. Those two guys make each other better, and now being able to get that group back together and the history that he also has with Aaron Rodgers, it's it really gives you a lot of hope that this re- rejuvenation, as you said, yeah. can ultimately get the Packers' offense to where they want to be once again on a consistent basis. Yeah, well, a story we're definitely going to be following all through the offseason. But with that, we're going to go to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Wes, continuing our discussion with regards to the offense, the offensive playbook, one of the specifics and specific players that uh, we talked about at the Combine with Coach McCarthy and with Brian Gutekunst is Ty Montgomery. And I think the safest thing to say is that it does not matter or it will not matter what position Ty Montgomery is listed as on the roster, whether they list him as running back or wide receiver. I think the message is that they are going to find ways to get Ty Montgomery the ball, and where he lines up in relation to the snap of the ball is really not the issue. Yeah, and I think, Mike, we put so much emphasis on positions. If we've learned anything over the last four years – Positions really don't matter. It's about the player. Yeah, and I get it. It's a it's fantasy a, football thing, though, too. Yeah, I mean, so I understand it. Is a it is fantasy football thing. Yeah, I don't. Which is I, the most I, aggravating part of yeah, this whole process. I understand it from that perspective, but in the in the bigger picture, you have to realize how much it really doesn't matter. What position was Jared Cook? <laughs> Tight end, right? Suppo- supposedly, H-back, yeah. Played receiver. Played boundary receiver. Wasn't yeah. even in the slot. Morgan Burnett, Micah Hyde. Julius Peppers, the list goes on and on. But you're right because Ty Montgomery, there's a lot of value in that fantasy football thing <laughs> if he's in the running back spot because yeah. you can use him there and you know potentially be able to reap those rewards. But the thing is about it, to me, from my perspective, is that Mike McCarthy, when they're sitting in on these meetings, they don't care about what position he's playing nah. or what he's listed at. They care about the availability side of it. They yep. care about the production side of it. And if there's one thing the Packers are looking for from Montgomery in 2018 is availability. Yeah. Because he's shown he can be the type of playmaker that can really make an impact on a football game. He's done it as a receiver. He's done it as a running back. He's done it at every position they've put him at. And there is a huge benefit, Michael, to splitting him out from the backfield and having a guy in the slot with his hands. 
because he has tremendous hands. No so question. I, I thought the biggest takeaway for me, and it, it's not just Montgomery, it's also Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Mike McCarthy, even though I think you can use all these guys in a multitude of different ways, Mike McCarthy just wants them all to be available. He wants to have that there. And, and hey, there's only so much you can do about that. But I think if you could get all three of them on the field available at the same time, the mis- the matchup games that the Packers could play – uh, it really could get a defensive coordinator's head spinning. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is is at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the matchups and, and what type of matchup they feel in a certain game against a certain defense that uh, Ty Montgomery, they feel, can take advantage of. And I don't want to go so far as to say that it, that it becomes a, a chess piece type of thing like we were talking about with certain defensive players, but it kind of gets close to that it in does. a way. Against a certain defense or when you're looking for a certain matchup where you want to get Ty Montgomery as an example, isolated against a certain defender, against a certain linebacker or a safety or whoever that might be, and then get him the ball in a certain way. That's where the the offensive coordinator is thinking very much along the same lines as a defensive coordinator saying, I want to get my pass rusher matched up against this blocker you know, so that's how I'm going to scheme things so he can be one-on-one there and hopefully make something happen. Yeah, and I think, Mike, you look at, I've said this to you before, but the Philadelphia Eagles and New England Patriots, there were 11 running backs uh, <laughs> in on those active rosters in those games. One of the things that the Patriots have been really successful at, even if they haven't been able to find a prototypical number one back, sure. is that in a matchup game on a week-to-week basis, they can roll with Deion Lewis. They could go with Rex Burkhead. You have James White. We know what his history is. Brandon Bolden just signed another contract. They have, and, and uh, Mike, uh, what, Gillespie, whatever his name was, from Buffalo yeah. this past year. Gillespie. Um, all those guys gave them so many different things that defenses had to prepare for and then some of that mattered some of it didn't and then at the end of the day time. and at the end of the day you're not wearing out any one of those exactly. guys over the course of 16 games yeah so no huddle offense the Packers want to have guys that they can just keep in there at the same time but the more that all those guys can do it's going to be for the better and for Ty Montgomery assuming everything works out with his wrist coming back from that injury this experience Mike receiver running back wherever they put him that background is only going to make him that much better as a football player yeah well and and ty montgomery not to say that he hasn't been incentivized or or uh certainly dedicated to what he does but he also will be in a contract year and uh this is going to be a big year for him in terms of what sets up for the rest of his football career yeah with that we'll go to a break back with more on packers unscripted right after this Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, quickly, a topic I want to get to before we go here today. We talk a lot on this show. We hear it from coaches and press conferences at podiums, all that kind of stuff, about the second-year jump, a player who makes a big leap in terms of his his body type, his productivity, his, uh, his accomplishments on the field from the first year to the second year. So a question that I raised with uh, with Coach McCarthy in Indy is, okay, take a look at the Packers. If, if you were to pick out two guys from that uh, 2016 draft class who really made that big second-year jump in 2017, it's Blake Martinez and Kenny Clark. I don't think there's any disputing that. So then the question is, well, after they make the big second-year jump, what's next? And 
Coach McCarthy said without hesitation, he's like, next is you become a core player. You go from being the guy everybody's looking at as a young player on the rise to then you're making that transition to be a veteran player that the coaches and the personnel staff are looking at as somebody who's going to be part of the long-term future of this team. And certainly Martinez and Clark are two guys who right now are on that trajectory, and I can definitely see both of those guys becoming core players, even with a new defensive coordinator, becoming core players for a Green Bay Packers defense. Yeah, I mean, if you can play, you can play. I mean, it's going back to Vic Ketchman's old saying, <laughs> it, it is, it's really plays not players or players not play sometimes right, so right. Uh, and then I went and messed it up uh, but here's the thing is you there's a few exceptions to the rule I think Clay Matthews probably was just because of how dynamic he was right off the base um, you know BJ Raji had probably his two best seasons in the NFL in year one and year two yeah mm-hmm. but look at Devontae Adams right look at a guy like Randall Cobb Jordy Nelson Corey Lindsley, the list goes on and on. Guys who really, uh, Mike Daniels is probably the poster child for it. Yeah, Guys absolutely. who in every single season took another step forward. And then once they got to that year four, uh, were just, year three to year four were just dynamic players. You saw a quantum leap in the game of both Kenny Clark and Blake Martinez this past year uh, in varying degrees. I thought you kind of saw it at the beginning, at the end of last season with Clark, and then Blake Martinez just blew me away with how well he played. But now it's about taking that next step. It's about Kenny Clark becoming that Mike Daniels kind of difference maker there on an everyday basis. Blake Martinez shoring up some of the reactionary stuff, some of the coverage responsibilities, and becoming a complete inside linebacker in a league where – there is such a heavy emphasis on hybrids and things like that. He needs to show that, you know what, the traditional inside linebacker has a role too. Yeah, and you mentioned the guys that the Packers have recently extended contracts of. When you continue to make that progression into year three and year four to become a core player, then that's when the personnel department, the coaching staff says, hey, we don't even want this guy to get very close to free agency. Yeah. We want to give the contract extension. We've seen it with Bakhtiari. We've seen it with Adams. We've seen Wayne it with Taylor. Lindsley. We saw it with Daniels. Um, you know, all those guys, that's that's where it happens. And, uh, and, you know, Martinez and Clark are two guys on that trajectory. They have to keep it going in 2018. All right. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.